0: Last time, we um, talked to you about hearing the voice of God, and I had explained to you that this was something we learned early in our ministry, and God has blessed that discipline that we applied to our ministry. There's some times when we didn't, we're in a hurry and didn't, and we paid for it because God has a better plan than we have. I don't care how smart you might be, I don't care. If you have more degrees behind your name than a thermometer, we still need the wisdom of God to tell us what to do. So there's many times in Scripture where God spoke to us, and I covered the first time about how we desperately need Him to establish our churches with the the truth, to establish our homes and our personal lives with the truth. We need to hear from God. Now we want to, in this session, deal with um, how do we hear His voice. So I'm trusting this will be a bit more practical, and I'm drawing an awful lot of this, not only from Scripture, but from our own personal experience. And so let's look at some of the things how we hear. Many times in Scripture he spoke with an actual visitation, either by the Lord or by an angel. So he spoke very clearly then. There was one time he spoke with a donkey to Balaam who was going the wrong way. He was a man that could put curses or blessings on a nation. And Balaam the donkey and I often mention to people that say they can't hear his voice or not spiritual enough. Well, I don't think the donkey was a Christian that I'm aware of. So God still spoke through him to Balaam. There's um, many times God spoke with a voice that your ear could actually hear. There's time when he spoke from the mountain at the time of Moses in the wilderness with the Israelites. And the people heard it. The thing is, they were frightened of it, but they could hear it. I have never heard it that way myself personally, where it's a booming voice, like um, in the Cecil B. DeMille, DeMille's uh, The Ten Commandment Movie years ago. Moses. I've never heard it that way some of you may have. Another way he speaks to us. He speaks, and it, it's in here somewhere just in your chest, and generally when I've heard him that way, it's because I wasn't seeking him, I wasn't asking him. I remember one time I'm walking across the living room floor to get to the dining room because my wife had called me in for dinner, and he spoke to me in the middle of that thing, and I knew it was him, and what he was up to, there are certain areas of my life that were drastically changed. Because he spoke to me that way. He had to get my attention because I wasn't in a a place of listening. I was more interested in eating. I have that habit, you know. He also speaks directly into our minds, and I believe this is probably the most common way, now that we're in the era that we're in of history, to speak. It just comes into our minds, and I want to focus on that about how we hear from the Lord. So let me use some examples from Scripture. There's Daniel chapter 9, verse 19, just the first few verses of that verse. Now, he's interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream of a tree. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of of Babylon at that time. Daniel was in leadership position. If you read the first of Daniel, you'd know all about that. So the king said, unless you know what that dream is, all the wise men are going to be put to death, which included Daniel, which included the three Hebrew children, but a lot of other people that he relied on for wisdom. He said, if you can't tell me what the dream was, as well as the interpretation. You're going to get your heads lopped off. Not very wise to kill all your wise people, but thats he was so desperate. The dream had him. So when Daniel heard this, him and the three Hebrew children, he said to them, we've we've got to hear, because interpretation comes from the Lord. I would assume because Daniel and the three Hebrew children were in a place where they might lose their life the next day, spent the night in prayer. It doesn't say that, but I would have, and you probably would have too if it was going to cost your life if you didn't have an answer. And he said, as he was seeking the Lord on this, his thoughts terrified him. So the Lord actually spoke in thoughts, not this booming voice, which he can still do, not in in where it hits your heart, which he can still do, but he spoke into his thoughts. And when I realize that our mind is some way connected to the creator of the universe, The one who causes every blade of grass to grow in your lawn, every tree to have a leaf, every flower to grow. That God that causes all that stuff to happen simply by a command from his throne room. That God wants to talk to me. And he wants to use my mind, my thoughts to do that. And so that's exciting. Then later on in Daniel chapter 7, verse 15, Daniel had a dream of four different beasts, and it had to do with end times. But he says, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. And so here is Daniel. He's having visions. Now, if he was asleep, it would have been a dream, I assume, but it was a vision. So he was awake at night. Maybe the dream woke him up, and now he's having this vision. But he said, my mind disturbed me. In other words, God was imparting to him, downloading from his kingdom, from his mind to Daniel's mind about these Prophetic four beasts that he writes about in chapter seven. Psalm one thirty nine verse seventeen. This is where the psalmist is talking about as fearfully and wonderfully made, in the image of God, and talks about how he was formed using the dirt of the earth to. to Form him in his mother's womb. And he says in verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! So David here says, it's so precious when I hear your thoughts, Lord God. It's so delightful within me The thoughts that come in, there's a fellowship that takes place. There's a delight. There's a pleasure. And he says, there's so many of them. How vast is the sum of them. You have so much to say to us, Father. There's such a huge volume of wisdom from your throne room that makes the wisdom of this world look foolish, it says in 1 Corinthians the first three chapters. That vast volume of wisdom, I have access to it. Not everything, but what I need when I will discipline myself to go to the Lord and say, Lord, here's the question. I trust in you for an answer. I don't deserve it. Comes out of the mercy seat. But I know you'll give it to me. And First Chronicles 28, when David was giving his son Solomon the plans for the, the, the um, temple, its buildings, its storerooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms in and the place of atonement, he gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put on his mind. In other words, David, His mind had received these plans. And listen, what does it matter to God what the storerooms look like or the the inner rooms, the place where you keep your dust mop and your cleaning stuff and, and 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 the stuff left over from the last Christmas play? What does it matter about those storerooms? Well, in the buildings that we use in church today, maybe it doesn't matter too much. But this temple, this sanctuary... Everything matters. The simplest things matter. He wants to be the Spirit in us, ministering to us the wisdom that we have. So it says, he gave him the plans, all that the Spirit had put in his mind. This is David saying, all those plans just started coming into my mind. And David was a man of thanksgiving, He was a man of praise. And you see, Psalm 100 says, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. David wrote this. We enter his courts with praise. That means he had entered in, and as he was in the presence of the Lord, the Lord downloaded all the plans of this temple, and now he's giving them to Solomon. Here's the plans. Obey them. And I said to you in the first part, I said how the Lord uh, was instructing David to say to Solomon, devote your heart and your soul to seeking the Lord and build the sanctuary. So here we are with the New Testament especially. We can learn from the old, but the New Testament especially, we learn of the holiness that we're to walk in, learn about the obedience that we're to submit ourselves to. And God says, the whole sanctuary will be built and put together in such a way if you'll only listen to me. Oh, we would have erased so many problems from our personal lives from our homes, from our ministries, from our churches, from our businesses, and yes, from our country, if we just listen to the Lord and say, Lord, how do we work this? What do we do? It says in 1 Corinthians 2, and Paul is talking about the wisdom of man versus the wisdom of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So only my spirit knows my exact thoughts. I don't know the thoughts of God unless we ask him. No one knows the thoughts, but the Spirit does, and the Spirit wants to communicate it to us. Now, there's a requirement here that I want to make clear to you. I believe God is able to speak to even non-Christians as well as Christians. I believe he is able to speak to anybody. I pointed out last time he even spoke to Balaam's donkey, and Balaam's donkey spoke then to the prophet Balaam. He's a false prophet, but he still spoke to him. So this whole thing of God wanting to lead us I believe as a Christian, it is of great benefit to me if I want to hear the voice of God, to position myself in such a way that God will feel comfortable in trusting me with what he says. Now, Romans chapter 12, the first and second verse, let me expound on them a little bit. I urge you, brothers, now the word therefore is there because it follows something. It follows chapter 6, 7, and 8, which talks about the tremendous sacrifice that Jesus made for us and how we're to stop trying to earn salvation and accept what he has given to us. Because he's already earned it by his sacrifice. And then 9, 10, 11, he talks about how we as Gentiles been grafted in and how the Jewish people, they may have lost their position in that vine. And Jesus is the vine. Israel is not the vine. Jesus is the vine. John chapter 10 says so. John chapter 14, pardon me, it says, 15, pardon me, I'll get it right yet. And you say, we know that those chapters are clearly saying that we are grafted in. We can lose that graft, but we're grafted in. Disobedience will cause us to be cut out. The Jews can be grafted back in. It's all in there. Then he starts with, because of all that, therefore... One guy says, we need to, whenever you see the word therefore, we need to check what is there for, because it's there for a certain reason. I urge your brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me go back and read John 10, verse 17 again. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. What's he saying here? As Jesus was willing to lay down his life, and the Father says, I love you because of that, then we are required now, according to Romans 12, we are required to lay down our lives and get rid of all the selfishness, all the man-made dreams, all our wishful thinking, all the things we've anticipated. We need to die to them. And that's what water baptism means to me. It means I am dying to everything I want, all the things of my flesh, all the desires, I'm going into that tank to, or that river to be buried. I'm going to come up as a someone who is totally and committed to the Lord Jesus Christ to do his will. That's why we're called a new creation. We're now children of the God. The old person is dead and buried. We're a new person. And it says here in Romans chapter 1, chapter 12, verse 1, pardon me, it's God's mercy we're dealing with here we don't deserve it. But we're living sacrifice. He doesn't want us dead. He wants us. He wants our all carnal nature to be dead, but he wants us to be alive in him. He wants us to be holy. That means obedient and walking in his un, under the blood of Jesus. He wants us to be pleasing to the Father in heaven. And that in itself is an act of reverence, which he says is like worship. Reverence beyond revering a prime minister or president or something reverence beyond that away beyond what you give to man it becomes worship that's why we bow before him to worship and he says do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world he wants the pattern that jesus set up in the old, in the in the book of exodus in the book of leviticus he sat down with moses all the detail of that tabernacle, and he said to him, I want you to follow exactly the pattern that I gave you on the mountain. That's what he's saying to us. We have a pattern. His name is Jesus, and he wants us to be conformed exactly to that, not conformed to the world. Somebody explained it this way. Years ago, I don't know if they're still around, but ladies that made things like jello had copper molds. Some were like, uh, looked like a bunch of grapes. Others looked like um, a chicken or something. I don't forget. what they all, uh, Pineapple, I remember that. And you see, when they made jello, they would pour the warm jello before it's out into that mold, set it aside, let it cool, and let it hard. The jello was conformed to the mold. Jesus said, I don't want you to be conformed to the things of the world. What you see is dangerous. As a matter of fact, one of the carnal mistakes the children made after they're in the promised land, they said, they said to Josh, Josh, uh, they said to Samuel the prophet, we want a king. We want to be like the other nations. When you want to be like everybody else around you that aren't Christians, when you want to be like them, you're going the wrong way. I didn't say you've sinned. I don't know. You're just going the wrong way. We can't be conformed to the world. We must be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. So if I'm conformed to the likeness of Jesus, I've laid down what I want. I've laid down my wishes, my desires. He said, when you come to me and ask me, when you, when you are willing to be able to say, I'm not going to trust my own feelings, my own thoughts. I want to hear God on this. It says in the second part of verse 2, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What's he saying? Listen, when you give up what you want, and come to me and ask me what I want for you. It's the best for my kingdom, and anything that's the best for my kingdom is the best for you. In the long run, it will be. It may not look like it at the moment. But he said, if you are not conformed to me, if you, in other words, are conformed to the world, if you're still living for self, you may have been saved 15 times, baptized three ways, and spoken tongues, you may have done all that, but if you're still living for yourself, to come to the Lord for his direction, you may not hear from him. I'm not saying you won't, I'm just saying you may not. Because if you're still doing your own thing, why would God tell you what to do and then you take what he said and say, well, I'm not sure if I want to do it that way. Or I'm not sure if I want to go there. I was hoping God would say no, not yes. You understand? We start to question whether he's got wisdom or whether it's my wisdom I want to go at. Why? Because our all sinful nature is not dead. We're still doing things our own way. So I maintain God doesn't want to put us in a place where we sin with disobedience. If he tells us to do something or to be something or to say something and we we change our minds, we don't want to. We have disobeyed. That's a sin. So don't be surprised if he doesn't speak to you if you haven't totally surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying he won't. I'm just saying don't be surprised if he doesn't. You see, Jesus said, unless you're willing to lay down your life, you're going to lose it. However, if you're willing to lose your life for my sake, then you're going to find it. That statement is totally contrary to all the wisdom of the world, totally contrary, but it's right in line with God's kingdom. If you're willing to say, Lord, I've made a mess of my life, I've been managing my life all these years, I have been at a place where I'm I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I want to. Know what you want from me, Lord. So therefore, I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to read through Romans 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and I'm going to go into 12, and I'm going to repent all the way through those things of not trusting you, not being led by you, and I'm going to come into Romans 12, and one, and I'm going to say, now I have totally committed myself to you, Father. I need you to start managing my life. I need you that I can come to you and ask, you things so you can give me direction. There's many examples in the Old and New Testament of God speaking to people. I told you in part one, From from John chapter 10, twice he says, my sheep hear my voice. Then in John 14, my spirit will speak. What he hears from God, he will speak. He wants to talk to us. If you think God isn't going to talk to you and you have committed yourself totally to him, died to what you want, you are living in unbelief. The devil has convinced you you can't hear from God. Believe me, folks, God wants to talk to you. But he wants you to ask, and he wants you to be patient and listen. I have asked the Lord for things in my life. I didn't get an answer for it. For days or weeks, maybe. but all of a sudden, the answer will come, and I will know it's him. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, when you want to come into a place where you're listening to the Lord, we need to make sure we thank Him, because that brings us into the, into, through his gates. Psalm chapter 100. We come through His gates with thanksgiving. We come into His courts with praise. That brings us those two things bring us into the courtroom of the Lord. And uh, Hebrews says it's the blood that qualifies us. We don't deserve. But the blood qualifies us. If you're a Christian, you committed yourself totally to the Lord, the blood qualifies you. Spend some time thanking him. Spend some time praising him. The Psalms are full of praise. The Psalms are full of thanksgiving. Look them up. Read them back to the Father. Read them in the face of the enemy that says you can't hear. Speak them out loud. Shout them if you have to. The neighbors probably need to hear it anyway. And you see, it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Anything that says to me, let's go with, with just common sense. Why don't we go with what all the other people in this situation did? Why don't we establish the church the way the other churches have? Why don't we look for a pastor the way the other churches have? Why don't I run my family the way the other fathers run their families? may not always be wise because you could be looking at a bad example. But he says here, we destroy all all the stuff that has to do with the world, the speculations of the world, the ideas, the lofty things that the world said. Here's wisdom. We need to tear it down, and we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That simply means, does what I'm thinking right now line up with the Word of God? Is this something that I would honestly believe that Jesus would say, because it has his wisdom, not the wisdom of the world. So I want my thoughts to be obedient to what the Lord Jesus Christ has taught us. As a matter of fact, back in the Old Testament, King Rehoboam, he did evil because he didn't set his heart on seeking the Lord. I'm I'm asking you to listen. King Asa, the prophet's warning was, Asa, if you will seek him, he will be found by you. I know the Lord prospered, Asa, in everything he did. Father, I thank you that, Lord, everything that you have taught us about hearing from your voice, everything has been from your heart, and you've saved us a lot of grief, a lot of pain, and we thank you. I pray for everyone listening. That they too will uh, experience your blessed guidance, Amen. Please visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.